middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor and Weston Mills. This is Keeper of the Games. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Keeper of the Games. We are the wildly underqualified yet mildly entertaining podcast all about sports in the air capital of Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. I'm your host, Tommy Castor. Weston Mills is out this week, so joining me on Keeper of the Games today is friend of the pod, tour, all about man around town. Blake Cripps is on the program today. Blake, thanks so much for being back on the pod, man. Well, man around town, uh, I'm not not sure who you think I am. And underqualified, I'm the most qualified. I have a voice that's made for yelling about sports and not knowing what I'm talking about. So well, I feel like why, I'm the most qualified. That's why you're on the podcast, because you bring <laughs> that qualification that typically Weston and I don't have. So that when you're on the show, we're not, we're not talking all. about. <laughs> You know what? That's that's the biggest reason why you're on the show. So you can bring uh, those qualifications that uh, that we certainly don't have. But we appreciate you being back on. Thank you so much Anytime, uh, for being sir. on the podcast. You know, it's it's interesting, Blake, because this is like your I think your fourth or fifth appearance on Keeper of the Games. Um, but this is the very first time that you and I have done a show, just the two of us together. How do you feel about that? Is that is that real? Is that a real? Yeah. Is that an actual statistic? Yeah. Wow. You you've you've been on the show with Weston I've and I, Weston. and you and you and Weston have done a show just the two of you. But you and I, this is the first time we have done an entire podcast together, just the two of us. Wow. That I mean, that is. I know that one week we were supposed to, and then Weston showed up, and out of pity, you didn't kick me off, which you could have because it's your guys' show. But uh, yeah, I mean that that's a that's a Chiefs are the only team to go four and zero in four straight st- season stat. Had no idea that, that was a stat. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, we're all the way up to episode number 38 on the podcast now, and uh, this is the first time that you and I have done uh, a show solo. And and obviously, you know, uh, Weston and I, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he's expecting a baby, and uh, the baby, to to my knowledge, has not arrived yet, but um, could happen any day. Uh, And so just to give him some time to get prepared for that, because I would imagine that's a a pretty monumental life experience uh, to give him some some time away from the podcast. Uh, Blake, you're joining us on the show and and you and you will be for a while. So we're really excited to have that happen. Yeah, that's that's I didn't know exactly the timing. I thought it might be in two weeks, but I know obviously that uh, that Mrs. Weston doesn't necessarily have control over when this delivery is happening. So, yeah, you know, uh, happy. That, and I couldn't have picked you really couldn't have picked a better time of year to have me on. I mean, we've got so much to talk about, even in this coronavirus NBA finals going on, the start of football, uh, college football and so many local things going on here, Wichita wise and sports. So, I mean, if, if you're going to be a sub on a podcast, October is a great time to have it on. Yeah, without a doubt. And in honor of you joining the podcast here, at least temporarily, I do have a surprise for you that that we did not talk about prior to coming on. And this is a new element of the show that we have we've never had before. Okay. And I'm introducing it today. Uh, it's our brand new hot take horn. <laughs> That's good. 
Love that, that I plan on introducing anytime you have something absolutely ridiculous to say. Uh, yeah. You might hear that a few times during each program. You're not going to have much use for that sound then because <laughs> I won't say anything outrageous. I tell people the truth. That's that's all I know how to say. Well, you know, I'm the one controlling that button, so I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. We want to remind all of you uh, to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of Keeper of the Games, you'll get a notification. Of course, you can listen to us on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, all the major ones out there, you can find Keeper of the Games. We also have a brand new website that is now up and running, and you can find it at cogsports.com. That's K-O-G sports.com. Uh, you can listen to archived episodes. You can find out more about the podcast. Uh, you can read our blog. A lot more going on there. Again, that's K-O-G sports.com. Visit us there. You can also watch full episodes on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Keeper of the Games. And of course, you can follow Follow us anytime on Twitter and Instagram at COGPOD. That's at K-O-G-POD on Twitter and Instagram. Let's go ahead and get right into the top story of the week, and that is Kansas City Chiefs football. It's been the top story the last several weeks because obviously we are right in the heart of the NFL season. And Blake, the last time that Weston and I did an episode was uh, last Thursday. We, We previewed the Patriots game, but we had no idea when we were recording that the game would eventually be postponed to Monday and kind of have a, a doubleheader Monday night football with the Chiefs and the Patriots. Fortunate that the game got in at all for week number four, but the Chiefs were able to prevail against the Patriots 26 to 10 to move to 4 and 0 on the young season. We've got a lot to unpack, not only with this game, but moving forward with the Chiefs and the whole COVID 19 pandemic and what that means for the NFL. We're going to unpack all of that here on this episode. But first things first, your initial reactions to the Chiefs taking down the Patriots 26 to 10 on Monday. I th- I'm more encouraged than anything. I know that there are going to be a lot of people that say, boy, this team just cannot move the football consistently. And that's been an issue in several of their games. Certainly was an issue in the not San Diego Chargers game. Uh, certainly has been an issue for the Chiefs at different halves. And certainly in the first half, it was not, not a good uh, look for the Chiefs offensively. But... Um, I'm more impressed with the defense, quite honestly. They they played fantastic, and I know they didn't have Cam Newton. He was out with coronavirus, and I, I mean, I'm just guessing that you know, for New England, the guys that they have throwing Stidham and Hoyer are probably not going to be the next Tom Brady. Probably not even going to be the next Cam Newton, but. The way that the Chiefs played on the defensive line and the way that they controlled the box, um, especially in the second half, making adjustments. New England did run the football in this game. They averaged five yards a carry. But in the second half, New England just looked very ordinary. And against the pass, Kansas City really dominated. uh, 20th for 37 for New England. They only averaged five yards 5.1 yards, a completion. Great job by the secondary. Several takeaways. I am more encouraged by anything. I know the offense did not get really rolling there until late, but several takeaways. For me, positive for the Chiefs because I just have the trust the trust in Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Hill, you know, all the tools they have in offense and Eric Bieniemy that they are going to come up with a game plan to score enough points to win. I think you you hit the nail on the head there, Blake. I mean, as far as on the offensive side of the ball with Kansas City, uh, how nice is it to get into the second half of a football game 
when really your offense has not been clicking in the in the first half. You go into the locker room only scoring six points in that in that first half of the football game, but never really feeling nervous. I never really felt um, overly anxious about what was going to be happening in the second half because I just knew in the back of my mind, okay, we've got Pat Mahomes. We've got Eric Bieniemy. We've got Andy Reid. We've got all of these weapons. Um, you know, we, we've got a, a solid run game. We've got really dynamic receivers. We've got a way to score points and score points quickly. Um, that that was incredibly encouraging to me. Um, and, and like I said, I, I never really felt anxious that uh, we we weren't going to score points in the second half. And obviously, we did. And it just really seemed like. New England just continued to leave the door open a little bit. And and that's all a guy like Patrick Mahomes needs is just a, a crack of the door open and he's going to kick that door down and he's going to score points very quickly. And that's exactly what we saw on Monday. Oh, absolutely. And there were so many defensive guys that made plays. Taco Charlton has come in and been fantastic. I mean, obviously the Honey Badger has been phenomenal for uh, for Kansas City in the playoff run and certainly again this year, uh, Pennell, Dirty Dan, the Shark. I mean, there's, there's so many guys. I guess uh, you know Chris Jones didn't really uh, you know didn't record a tackle, but he's been a force. Well, he didn't play. Yeah, he didn't didn't play in that game, yeah. but he's been great. I mean, he was really good last week in that game in week three. So there have been so many guys that have stepped up and made plays defensively. And the fact that the Chiefs were able to do that without a guy like Jones on the line, to me, says a lot about the depth that they have at all of these positions and the way that they were able to get all the big stops that they needed, the big turnovers that they needed. Now, obviously, Edelman should catch that ball. I didn't watch the second half. I listened to every second on the Chiefs radio network. I mean, Mitch Mitch and Dana pretty much said that's a ball that – that he catches probably at 999 times out of a thousand, yeah. but you know, the chiefs are right there and they do make the play and, you know, deflected ball like that is not the easiest one to react to. So for Kansas city, I, I see positive out of this. And the other thing too, that people don't think enough about in my opinion is when you don't score in the first half, how many times do we say that halftime is the most important time of the game for a coach? in order to make adjustments. And I listened several times where they had, uh, you know, Kling on the sideline for the old Klingster from KU radio network. He has to be happy about getting to watch some good football from the sideline for a change. (laughs) Um, But he mentioned how Andy Reid was on the sideline, you know, after the chiefs had a three and out or something, a punt early in the quarter and that he was staying there, not watching defense and drawing up some plays or looking at his play sheet for something that he thought would work. Chiefs come out, score the very next drive to give them a two possession lead. There's nobody better than Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy at course correcting when they need to. They need to run the football more. They will. And, you know, can we please get off of, oh, my gosh, they're making Patrick Mahomes into a check-down quarterback. Stop it. Several big chunks in those last two drives, 30 yards. Kelsey had a big catch. They got the Chiefs near or inside the red zone. You know, at some point, you have to take what the defense is giving you. And if the Chiefs are winning, I don't care if they score 260 points a game. 
if they win by 16 every game, 26 to 10, I mean, let's just do that all the way to the Super Bowl. You know, there's this thing where, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes, if he doesn't throw for 50 touchdowns, it's a failure of a season. I don't – the good thing about Patrick Mahomes, I know that he and his his lovely wife have kind of been on social media about the – he's the fourth best player in the NFL and how that's kind of a joke and – it is kind of a joke between you and me, but I don't think he really cares if he's the MVP. He wants to do what's going to make the team win. He's not a guy who's going to let his ego get in the way of the game plan. So for me, I, you know, there, there's nobody at any of those positions that I'd rather have. And I, you could get some stars in that would probably be better than Watkins or some of these other skill position players, Edward Solaire for the Chiefs. Those guys want to be in the system, and that's what I like. And, and to me, that's the most important thing. You know, Patrick Mahomes, people talk about, you know, how this season, for some reason, he's, you know, throwing the ball short a lot more often. The guy is still on pace for, I think, I, the stat I saw, he was on pace for like 4,500 yards and 44 he's touchdowns. Got a thousand yards in four games. What are you right, talking about? Right. And, and, no. and zero interceptions on, on the season right now. Yeah. Although there were, there was at least one pass that probably should have been picked uh, by the Patriots on Monday. But every quarterback's going to have that. Sure. But what, you know, the, the defining moment of, of the game for me, we talked about halftime. We talked about the adjustments that Andy Reid made him. And I agree with you that, you know, clearly that was the turning point as far as the coaching and the play calling and all that was at halftime. But the defining moment of the game, as far as momentum was concerned, was right before halftime. And that was when the Patriots were pushing the ball down the field, you know, right before halftime. Looked like they were going to score. They had the ball down at like the five yard line of Kansas City. They were getting the ball back after halftime. They were down six to three. They were at, at worst going to tie the game going into the locker room, if not take the lead and then get the ball back. Brian Hoyer takes a sack from Frank Clark. And the clock runs out. Hoyer thought he had a timeout. He didn't. The clock runs out. They don't get a chance to get another snap off. They don't get a chance to kick a field goal. And they go into the locker room six to three. That was that was the defining. If I'm not mistaken, they got in the red zone twice and got yeah zero zero no zero points. That's incredible. Yeah, the the defining moment of the game right there, at least defensively for Kansas City, because that put all the momentum back on the side of Kansas City. And you know what? I I I don't have any um any any inclination that you know any thought that this is the Patriots team of two years ago. It's clearly not. Tom Brady Tom Brady is gone. Rob Gronkowski is gone. You know the a majority of the defensive stars are gone. They're not playing this season. They've opted out. Bill Belichick is there. Julian Edelman is there. The running back core is there. That's basically all that's left, you know, in New England. But that being said, I don't know about you, Blake, but I I had a hard time not thinking back to the AFC Championship game two years ago when New England came to Kansas City in Arrowhead. And the biggest difference, now obviously it was Tom Brady throwing the football, not Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham, but I couldn't help but think back to Every single time on third down in that AFC championship game, it seemed like the Patriots were converting every single time. It was either Gronkowski getting the pass in the seam, or it was Edelman coming over the middle and making a catch to move the chains. Every single time that seemed like it was going on. So obviously the the quarterback is is different in, in New England, but I think the bigger thing that's different is the fact that you don't have Bob Sutton on the sideline for Kansas City. You have Steve Spagnola. And I can't say enough good 
good things about what Steve Spagnola has done for this defensive uh, crew for Kansas City. We all talk all the time about how great of an offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is, and he is, and he definitely should be a head coach. He will be a head coach, but I don't think Steve Spagnola gets enough credit for what he has done transforming this defense for Kansas City. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is a terrible coach, and I don't think anybody will ever take him. <laughs> yeah, right. Bad coach. Okay, so everybody can tune off now, right? Sure. Nobody's listening. Well, Nobody's no, listening. I, yeah. Well, Eric I think Bien-Ami they are. not being a head coach is a flipping joke. It's insane. I'm a little late on that horn, but a uh, little yeah. late, a little tardy. It's insane that he's not a head coach. Yeah. Now that nobody's listening, I, you know, I feel free to say that. I, I can't believe he's not a head coach. It's it's right. insanity. Deep the third downs for New England, I think is going to be the biggest difference for them offensively. Just six for 15 against Kansas City. When you don't have the same guys who've been in the same system, how long were those guys there? Edelman, Brady, like eight years? Yeah, You're never going to be as good on third down as you are when those guys are just there churning it out every, every week. And you look at New England and their schedule, like what they have wins against the Raiders, and the Dolphins, and the Dolphins right. are one and three. And I mean, it, it is Raider week, and they are two and one. So you know, you can throw out the records in this rivalry. We all know that. Uh, actually, they they are two and two. They've lost two straight. Lost to the Bills this week. You know, you're really not sure about what you're getting from the Patriots right now. Uh, the, the dynasty, the mystique of New England, is over. It's gone for this year. And you know, we'll the next decision that they make at the quarterback position is going to be the big difference for them. It's either going to launch them into maybe trying to reclaim the throne, but the the thought that they are going to be the contender in the AFC is just laughable. It's not going to happen. They could make the playoffs, but right now it's clearly Kansas City and Baltimore. Those are the two teams in the AFC right now. And obviously, you know, I thought Houston would be good this year. Obviously, Houston is a mess right now. Well, you're, you're missing the team that is probably the most quiet that nobody is talking about that probably I would even put them above Baltimore and that's Buffalo. Uh, well, you Buffalo's know, what the, well. what the bills are doing right now, uh, nobody's talking about Josh Allen is, you know, a top five NFL quarterback right now. There's no doubt about it, but here's what I think is funny is that every single weekend and Weston and I talked about this early on in the season. In fact, we might've even talked about it prior to the season starting. And that is when you're the Super Bowl champions, you have a target on your back every single week. You are not the hunter anymore. You are the hunted and every team is coming after you. And it's not just every team. It's that the, the pundits and the media, they want to see you go down each and every week. That's just the way that it is. You know, when the Patriots had their dynasty going on, they were basically villains and everybody wanted to see them lose. And it's, it's so funny to me that week in and week out, you hear about all of these opponents of Kansas City and how strong they are, how tough they are. Can they take down the Chiefs? You don't hear about how good the Chiefs are. You hear about how powerful the opposing team is. You heard that with Houston coming into week number one. You heard that somewhat with with, with Los Angeles in, in week number two. But then especially you heard it Monday night football with the Ravens. You heard it Monday night football with the Patriots. You're probably going to hear it with Las Vegas this coming Sunday. And then you'll definitely hear it next Thursday with Buffalo on Thursday night football. And 
week in and week out, the first four weeks of the season, Kansas City has just dispatched each and every one of these opponents. And other than the the Chargers game, which obviously went into overtime, really Kansas City has dispatched the other three opponents with relative ease. Nothing's ever easy in the NFL, but with relative ease, they've been able to take care of of these opponents, including vaunted foes in Baltimore and New England. I think it just shows you how strong this Chiefs team actually is. Kind of crazy. You go back and look at Super Bowl results. I just found this. Three of the last eight Super Bowl champions didn't make the playoffs the next year. Three out of eight. Now, obviously, when New England wins the Super Bowl, they're typically pretty good the next year. But you look at the other team, uh, Seattle, they've been pretty good. Not that they're elite at the level that New England has been, but they've been really good in the NFC for a while. And they were able to go back to back. They went 12 and four the the next year. But if you take New England out of it, Baltimore uh, in Super Bowl, I think that was 47, eight and eight didn't make the playoffs. Denver, Super Bowl uh, 50, the L Super Bowl, 9-7, and seven, didn't make the playoffs. And the other team, you know, Philadelphia, they barely made the playoffs. So what the Chiefs are doing with that target going 4-0, and the only franchise, can I get a little Tomahawk action? 4-0, and the only team. Is that politically correct? Four years, Do that? That, well, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I didn't even think about that, honestly, but pro- I'm sure somebody's upset. But I mean, I've been doing it for I've been doing that literally for 31 years. That's I don't think that's a habit that I'm going to break. Um, but the fact that they're the only team in the history, the NFL has been playing since what, like 1880 or something. The only one that's ever gone 4-0 in four straight seasons is your Kansas City Chiefs. That's mind-boggling, and it says a lot about Andy Reid as a coach. Yeah, it's obviously the continuity for sure. You know, the coaching staff of the of the players, the front office. I mean, just the the overall culture uh, with that franchise is is just unbelievable. And we've we've talked about it, you know, on this program before, just about how remarkable it it actually is, and that stat proves it for sure. So obviously, the other major story, in fact, this has kind of dominated the headlines, uh, not only just locally and regionally with the Chiefs, but also at a national level. Not about the Monday night game with the Patriots. That's all done and and gone. But it's about how the NFL moves forward and specifically what happens with Kansas City moving forward in light of what we've learned about COVID-19 in the last couple of days. Now, obviously, this is an ongoing thing. This is something that, like I mentioned before, when we recorded last week's show, we had no idea that uh, Cam Newton was going to test positive and the game was going to be moved back. But now we know that Stephon Gilmore from the Patriots has also tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the Patriots have, to my knowledge, they've shut down practices, you know, that sort of thing. They're not the only team dealing with this right now. Uh, The Tennessee Titans have had a a, a multi-day outbreak. In fact, we're on to week number two now uh, of this outbreak for for the Titans. Um, But right now, there are no negative, or I'm sorry, there are no positive tests for Kansas City. All the tests have come back negative. That is of Tuesday from the last that I saw. But it does call into question uh, some of the protocols. It does call into question what might happen with Kansas City, specifically because uh, Stephon Gilmore was photographed uh, hugging Patrick Mahomes after the game. And oh. just, yeah, I know, just 24 hours later, uh, Stephon Gilmore tests positive. As of right now, Patrick Mahomes has tested negative. But um, you have to, I think, Blake, you have to imagine that. Uh, at the beginning of the season, the NFL knew something like this might happen or possibly could happen. We're living it right now. 
what's the right process? What's the right way to move forward specifically for Kansas City? I tweeted a little bit about this actually with a radio friend that I have up in Topeka a little bit this afternoon. And I mean, he was pretty clear and I don't necessarily disagree with his take. His take was you have to come down hard on ownership and the players. And he was suggesting first round draft picks. Wow. Fitting games and game checks. Don't, you know, don't find, maybe it's a hot take. Maybe it's not. I kind of agree with it. If you start taking first round picks from ownership, they're supposedly in charge of the players. They're the owners of the team. The players are their employees. They have to keep their employees in line. If you forfeit games that, you know, for example, let's say new England can't play. I don't remember who they're playing their next week. Let's say they're playing, I don't know, you know, let's say they're playing KU. They play Denver. They're playing the Broncos. They're playing Denver. If they can't play because of, if it has to get moved because of coronavirus and they can't make up the game, that's just an L for New England. That's a big deal. If you go to these players who test positive, if you can prove, because obviously, you know, there are people out in society, it's been well documented, who take precautions, go out with masks and still get it. And there are a lot of, you know, people who go out and don't take precautions and they don't get it. You know, we're, we don't have a, a perfect knowledge of how this thing works yet. But if you can demonstrate like they have with some teams, especially a team like Tennessee, where there are protocols in place and the players brazenly, openly abuse and do not follow the protocols, you got to take a game check from those guys. Uh, If you start saying, okay, you know what? You, even if the game still gets played, find them a game check. Maybe find them two game checks. I think that's the only way that you would get the, you know, the NFL has previously said, and I'm, I'm not somebody who tries to shine up the shield for the NFL, but I kind of agree with them that it's been the lack of adherence to the mandatory protocols that has caused the problems that the NFL has. Maybe there are some protocols that they can tweak, but for me, it's just like the baseball issues that we had at the beginning of the baseball season. When players don't follow the rules, that's when things happen. And so the NFL, this has got to be, I hope that it's a wake-up call for all the teams in the NFL so they realize, hey, if we don't actually follow the rules, this is what could happen. And, you know, at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself if you're an NFL player, do you want to play or not? Do you want to be on TV? You want to get your million-dollar checks, or do you not want to? And if you're owners, do you want to be able to play games, get your TV revenue, or do you not? That That's what you have to decide. There, there's one major difference, though, Blake, and I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit on, on, on this in this regard. The, the one major difference between what we're seeing with the NFL and these outbreaks and these players that are are, are coming down with with COVID-19 and, um, you know, even the Tennessee players that their facility closed down. So they're holding practices outside of the team facility uh, that are unauthorized and unsanctioned practices. And, and those the, those players had test. Those players were supposed to be in quarantine. Sure. By the the, way, the thing that's different, the fundamental difference between what we're seeing with the NFL and what we saw with the NBA is a bubble. The NBA is playing in a bubble. The NFL is not. And I I understand the logistics would just would be a nightmare. 
there for the NFL to try to have some kind of bubble. And it, it, is, it does seem like it would be a little bit easier for a, a, a league like the NBA to play under a bubble. But at the end of the day, this is what the NFL signed up for. They knew going into this that this was something that could potentially happen. And now they have to deal with the ramifications. I don't think that you can necessarily change course midway through the season and start imposing these huge game check fines or forfeiting games or, you know, first off, that's going to have major ramifications with the players union and, you know, all of those other bodies that you have to be involved in the decision-making process. If it was something that was, you know, so important to make sure that these players were following the protocols to a T 100% all the time, that should have been built into the plan for the season at the beginning. I just think that we're at a point now where you're going to have players that are going to test positive. You put them on, you put them on the reserve list. You, you set them out. If that happens to be your star quarterback, it happens. And it just have, happened to new England. It just happened. Right. You have to let your teams govern themselves under the, the, under the, 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 the rules and the laws and everything that was put into place at the beginning of the season. I don't think you can change course now and start to say, all right, we're going to start taking away game checks. We're going to start forfeiting games. The teams just are going to have to live with it. And it's just the way it's going to have to be. Here's the thing, though, because there is a little window. Obviously, the average incubation for coronavirus, as demonstrated by science, has been two to five days is the average. It's somewhere in that range. Is it 3.4? Is it 4? You know, I don't know. But the vast majority of cases start symptoms two to five days after exposure. And so there is a window, you know, if somebody tests positive, like for example, the Patriots, they had a positive test on Wednesday last week before they played the Chiefs. They tested again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and there were no positive tests. So they said, okay, you can go ahead and and play the game. Well, obviously, you know, the just because most of the cases have an incubation of two to five days, I mean, I think the longest that they have uh, demonstrated was 21. Now, that's been like one case ever in the history of the disease. I think it happened in China. There's a medical paper about it, but that's the only time that it's been that long. And the longest, I think, you know, here in this country has been like 14 days or something. So there, there is a little bit of a window here where you could have negative tests, players behaving badly, doing things they're not supposed to do, and then they play the game. Well, let's say that Patrick Mahomes gets sick now with coronavirus. It ain't the Chiefs' fault that he got. I mean, he has to play the game. If you're going to have football, I mean, I know the NFL and Roger Goodell wants to make a bubble around the quarterback and play flag football, but we're not playing flag football. So if we're going to play football, there's going to be close mono mono contact. You're going to be within six feet. There's, you know, the players aren't wearing masks. I don't think they should have to wear masks. It's, you know, I know it's hard enough for me to bring wearing ex- during exercise, but I'm wearing a mask. These guys actually work out for a living, yeah. okay? So if you get a quarterback or another team sick and it is demonstrated that you brazenly disregarded the rules, you're told to quarantine, and you go out like the Titans did and have practice – and you're, which you're not supposed, you were told not to do, and you get another team sick. Why shouldn't you get nailed for that? They're grown men. They're grown men, and they're not. They're not. They're not living inside of a bubble like the NBA. If so they were, be completely different. I'm just saying. 
I, I agree with what you're saying. And as far as if somebody infects somebody from another team, that's a little bit of a different scenario. If Stefan Gilmore ends up infecting Patrick Mahomes because they were close after the game, that's 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 completely different. And I know that we've got some time before Patrick Mahomes is in the clear. And I wouldn't I mean, I'm not going to say that he for sure is going to test positive, but I wouldn't be oh, surprised. Yeah. If we start to see some more players, you know, coming down and testing positive as the week goes on, it's a completely different world. I do want to get and I want to hear from Patrick Mahomes. He's talking about what he was thinking uh, after the post, you know, during the post game when he did see Stefan Gilmore after uh, the Chiefs beat the Patriots. I think you just have to uh, trust in the, the process and the protocols that are set in place. I mean, obviously, uh, knowing that I, I I went up to him after the game and just gave him the high five like I would I, I've done my whole career and not thinking about it. it was I mean a little bit of a mental lapse uh, just trying to be, show sportsmanship and stuff like that. But uh, I, I mean I feel like the, the protocols in place are good and I just have to trust in that. Wear my mask, uh, do whatever Rick and them say, and then then uh, just trust in we don't all know what what's happening in this world this time, but just accept the challenge every single day of being uh, in the best place I can be to be available for the team. And thank God that the NFL, uh, they, they completely got rid of the jersey swap after the game because that's clearly, you know, a huge virus transmitting issue. Uh, we're seeing, you know, the potential of all these other players, co- you know, coming down with COVID-19 because of a post-game handshake, uh, but yet they can't swap jerseys. The other audio that I want to get to uh, from Patrick Mahomes, and I'll get your thoughts on both of these, Blake, is uh, Pat talking about what this means uh, for him and now obviously his pregnant fiance, Brittany Matthews, after he had close contact with Stefan Gilmore. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And it's something that I think about every day. I mean, you have to you have to think about that with her being pregnant and kind of that high risk uh, category. And so uh, I just try to do my best, especially after uh, finding out uh, Jordan was positive. Obviously, we, here I stayed a week, stayed six feet apart and our meeting rooms are set up to where we're far enough apart or he's in the virtual meetings or whatever uh, that, that situation is. But when I went home over the weekend, I slept in, slept in a different bedroom and stayed, stayed away from her as much as possible. And until I've kind of gotten these uh, these negative tests back. And so I just try to do my part just to kind of keep myself away from her and, and social distance uh, whenever stuff like this arises. But uh, the only thing good about being here every single day, I get tested every single day. So it's uh, good at keeping track of where I'm at. That's the most important thing, Blake. It's it's not, you know, what's going to happen to the game on Sunday? What's going to happen to week five for the NFL? What's going to happen to the season in general? It's these players that, you know, then because of whatever these other players are doing when they're supposed to be quarantined or whatever happens, but then these players going home and sharing the disease with their families. And when you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at his fiance, Brittany Matthews, who's currently pregnant right now. This guy's sleeping in a different room now because of what's been going on. That's the important thing. And I think that we as sports fans, and you know, especially when we're doing a sports talk show, we lose sight of reality. That's the reality, right? That's the most important thing. That's the possibility for sure. Uh, you know, the, the, the good thing is, obviously, he, we've made it three days now with no positive test. Hopefully, it's going to be four days tomorrow for him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, he talked about it, and I think Brittany Lynn uh, 
actually tweeted out something about how you know she he slept in a different bed and she didn't she didn't like that i mean I don't, why yeah. would you if you're in love i mean they're set to get married you know here in a, in a few months so yeah it, it definitely is a concern when you have and it changes i have i have a couple of great friends here in wichita and she became pregnant she is due in like i want to say two weeks and there are people who really like to go out and have fun and they were starting to reintegrate back into going out and meeting people going to dinner they were wearing masks and we were kind of staying to ourselves and when we were going to restaurants but you know in this last month of pregnancy she said you know i'm, I'm just going to stay inside i'm working from home and my husband's going to work from home and you know they say that the last month is a really important time to just quarantine and stay away so it certainly is a concern and it ought to be a concern if you're going to get pregnant those are things that you have to think about and obviously a responsibility that you have to your child and to your family, to each other. It's obviously something you're doing together to, to build your family. So yeah, obviously we certainly hope that the first lady of Kansas city and the king of the kingdom, uh, obviously is he the king? Is Patrick, I mean, it's either him or sure. Andy Reed, but yeah, no, I, for sure. you know, those, those obviously we want them to be good and be healthy and be able to play, but, but certainly to be healthy and be alive and, and to be healthy for each other too. So we have no idea, you know, what what week five is going to look like for the NFL and for the Chiefs at the time of this recording. As of right now, they're scheduled to play the Las Vegas Raiders this Sunday afternoon. Um, back at Arrowhead is the plan. Um, I, it's so weird to be talking about these schedules and being like, as of right now, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we don't know for sure. Uh, the, but the Chiefs are right smack dab if things stay as scheduled in the middle of playing three games in 11 days. They played this past Monday, of course, got the win against the Patriots. They play Sunday afternoon against Las Vegas and then scheduled to travel to Buffalo on Thursday night for Thursday night football. Um, and we'll have a preview of, of that game on the next episode of Buffalo. But uh, for right now, assuming that the Raiders game is played on Sunday as scheduled for Kansas City. This Raiders team right now is probably the second best team in the AFC West uh, behind Derek Carr. They've got some really young dynamic receivers and uh, Henry Ruggs III and Hunter Renfro. Uh, of course, they've got Josh Jacobs in the backfield. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on this Raiders squad? I mean, I, I don't think that they necessarily pose as big of a challenge to Kansas City as the last two weeks have been, uh, but you never know. Your thoughts on Las Vegas? Well, I mean, it's always when you think about, and I still want to call them the Oakland Raiders, but, uh, you know, you think about the Raiders, um, really inconsistent team right now. Uh, a team that's been dinged a couple of times for mask protocols. I think a team that shows a little bit of a lack of discipline at times. A team that, you know, being the second, honestly, right now, being the second team, the AFC West is Kansas City away from being the NFC East. Okay, True. the NFC, the NFC least, I should say, being the second best team in the West right now ain't saying much. I mean, do we really believe that the West are going to get two teams into the playoffs? I don't think so. You look at the, the remaining schedule for Kansas City, which, by the way, loaded with AFC West teams. Kansas City has the easiest strength of schedule remaining. So does that mean that the Chiefs can put it on cruise control? No, of course not. And the Raiders, the Broncos, obviously two huge rivalries. I think the rivalries of the AFC West are probably the best in football. I'm a little biased. NFC East fans probably would disagree. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Chiefs control their own destiny. A Andy Reid 
owns the AFC West. I mean, his record against the AFC West is preposterous in division. So not concerned about the Raiders. Uh, you know, even if the Chiefs lose, who cares? They're four and one. Go on to the next week. Let's just keep everybody healthy and make sure that we keep testing, that they keep testing negative and keep healthy on the field. The, the You know, the Chiefs are in a position right now. They just need to play their game, focus on them. And if they execute, they're going to win these division games. Let's get your prediction on the, the the outcome of the Raiders game. Score prediction. What do you think? I will go Chiefs plus 11. Yeah, uh, yeah, I actually think that this might be a little bit of a trap game for Kansas City. Could be. Uh, they're, they're, they're in the middle of a, of a pretty tough stretch. It does lighten up quite a bit after the Thursday night Buffalo game. Um, but they're, they're in the middle of a, a really tough stretch with the Ravens and the Patriots and now the Raiders and then the Bills. Um, they've handled the Ravens and the Patriots, again, with relative ease. Uh, and I, I can't, I don't think that Andy Reid does this sort of thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least some of the players are maybe overlooking the Raiders a little bit and looking forward to the big Thursday night matchup with Buffalo, because obviously Buffalo right now is 4-0. Um, so I think that the Chiefs will win, but I do think that it's going to be a little bit tighter than what people might think. Uh, I'm going to say that um, I think the Chiefs, uh, I think I'm going to say 27 17 Kansas City wins by 10 uh, against the Raiders on uh, Sunday afternoon. So we're pretty, that's pretty close. We're back we're at pretty close on that. Yep, absolutely. So that's our prediction uh, for this uh, upcoming game, assuming that it happens against the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll, of, co- of course, keep you posted uh, as the week progresses. Let's get into some college football action here on Keeper of the Games. And we're going to start with the good because we like talking about good news first. And that's the Kansas State Wildcats as they hold off the Texas Tech Red Raiders for a 24-21 victory on Saturday afternoon. Uh, this game was... Uh, you know, a little tough. Uh, I'm sorry. Was it that they win 31, 21, 31, 21. I'm sorry. I said 24, 21. I meant 31, 21. Uh, they took down the red Raiders. There were some scares in this game. Skyler Thompson, a uh, quarterback for the Wildcats went down with an, with an arm injury and was replaced by uh, quarterback, Will Howard. Uh, but Will Howard had a pretty good game. He threw for 173 yards and a touchdown. Deuce Vaughn had a rushing touchdown and another touchdown receiving. Uh, they were up 24, 21 with two minutes left and Howard found Vaughn on third down for a 70-yard touchdown pass to win the game for the Wildcats. That's two games in a row. The Wildcats are 2-1 and one after their big upset against Oklahoma a week ago. Blake, is this Wildcats team for real? Uh, I'm not ready to go there. I think that Oklahoma cost the uh, Oklahoma kind of caught the uh the big game big game Barona if you know what I mean <laughs> how many times has Oklahoma over the years done this against teams that they have no business losing to and that's no disrespect to Kansas State whatsoever but Oklahoma if Kansas State had done this against a team like Clemson for example, you know, I think Oklahoma and Clemson are kind of on the same tier. Obviously, Clemson and Alabama are head and shoulders above everybody else in college football. But if they do it against a team like that, I read a lot more into it. Oklahoma loses big games all the time. They did under Bob Stoops. They did it, you know, basically since they won the national championship. They did it early. They did it middle. They did it at the end of his career. And Lincoln Riley has just taken the baton and is running with the fact that Oklahoma loses 
big games that keep them out of the national championship picture. That's just what they do. Now, I don't take anything away from how Kansas State has played, but you know, I'm not going to apologize for maybe saying let's pump the brakes on a team that lost to Arkansas State. Okay, they beat Texas Tech. They're two and zero in the Big Twelve. They're tied for first in the Big Twelve. So give them credit. I... Wow, that's a hot take to say that they're first in the Big Twelve and that I. Well, I, you, know, you threw out the Arkansas State loss like that was the worst thing in the world. I mean, I mean, it's it's it wasn't good. I mean, unless you're Kansas, that's probably is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, you could have gotten blowed out by by Arkansas State, but you know, I hold Kansas. Did you State. say Am I wrong? Out? I did say blowed out. They got blowed right. out. Can, can I can I just mention that you know maybe I have higher standards for Kansas State than I do for KU football. I mean, can I can I have higher standards for sure. a program that actually means something rather than KU? Listen, sure. I, I don't want to come across as too negative about about Kansas State. They they did what they had to do to win the game. I'm not sure that Texas Tech is a really great team. Get back to me November seventh. If Kansas State does peel off a win against TCU, obviously they're going to destroy Kansas in the Sunflower Showdown, and they go to Morgantown and win. They come back to Manhattan and beat Oklahoma State and stay perfect. That's going to be the stretch right there. The last four to end the season, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, and Texas – I'm not really sure I trust Texas. You know, I, I'm not sure I really trust anybody in the Big 12 right now. That they get to that Oklahoma State game and they're undefeated. At that point, I'm a believer. I will be a believer at that point. But I just feel like the Big 12, since Oklahoma lost, is so watered down this year. It was going to be Oklahoma or bust anyway for the league. I'm not quite there yet. But I mean, like you said. Deuce Vaughn has been fantastic for them, uh, and, and looking at his at his stats, I mean, he's had a touchdown in each of the first three games. I think that they're finding better ways to use him in the offense. He ran all over Texas Tech. So I, I give Coach Kleiman credit. The contract extension is well-deserved. Uh, you know, Kansas State fans should be happy about where they are, and I don't want to diminish that at all. I'm just not ready to say, okay, this is a top 25 team, and obviously they're the Big 12 favorite. Not ready to go that far. Are they you're, number two or three? Sure. You're tough on them. And and I'm not as tough on them. I'm a believer right now. The reason I'm a believer right now, who cares what happened with Arkansas State? It doesn't matter. The Wildcats are 2-0 and in the Big 12. They're in first place in the Big 12. They're currently undefeated in the Big 12, uh, which is which is huge. They knocked off Oklahoma, which is huge. That was that was a game a where win. going but going into that game, the Wildcats weren't even sure they were gonna have enough guys to field the team, and they knocked off the Sooners. I don't care how, you know, if OU is down this year or not, they still knocked off Oklahoma. And then they proved it wasn't just a one-off fluke by beating Texas Tech. Uh, you know, I, I I think that this Kansas Wildcat, Kansas State Wildcats team has just as much of an opportunity to have a strong Big 12 showing, if not be in the top three, maybe even win the Big 12 this year. I think they've got just as much of an opportunity as anybody this year because of what we've seen from, you know, storied powerhouses like the Sooners and the Longhorns here early on, who they got knocked off by TCU last week. So I, I think that the the Wildcats, the, they control their own destiny. They've got the ball in their court to be able to do what they need to do moving forward. And I think the sky's the limit with this Wildcats team for sure. Uh, the, like I mentioned before, there there was some, some concern about 
Skylar Thompson after he went down with an arm injury uh, in the, I believe, the second quarter of that game. The good thing is that uh, tests revealed no broken bones or fractures for Skylar Thompson. There is a chance that he could play this weekend at TCU. But that being said, you know, uh, Will Howard obviously is, you know, a, a really highly regarded freshman quarterback for this K-State team. I'm not necessarily sure he's ready for that starting role now, and I'm certainly not suggesting that Skylar Thompson be stripped of that uh, of that title because uh, Skylar Thompson is a really good quarterback. Um, but I think you definitely you're definitely looking at the future of Wildcat football right there with Will Howard, and I think the future looks awfully bright. Well, I, I'm the, the the reason that I am a little bit more bearish is defensively. First two games of the season, Kansas State gave up over 300 yards through the air, nine touchdowns. Now, you could say Oklahoma has a good offense, and I think that they do have a good offense. They also gave up 330 yards and five touchdowns to Arkansas State. So, you know, to me, in the secondary, they've got to play better. Texas Tech is not the Mike Leach Texas Tech that it was, where they're, you know, the number five team in the country and the air raid offense is going nuts. You know, Texas tech is okay in the big 12 this year. So I think defensively, they've got to be better. The big 12 is all about offense. I mean, yeah. You don't, there's nobody in the big 12 that you could say, Oh, well, they're, they're a top 10 defense. I don't know the last time the big 12 had a top 10 defense nationally on a team that was any good. So they have been pretty good against the run. The Texas tech did run for 204 against them last week. Um, they, you know, Oklahoma doesn't really try to run, doesn't really care to run the football that much. So I just want, I want to see a little bit more defensively out of Kansas state before I totally jump on board. I'd be excited. I mean, I'd rather be a Kansas state fan than a KU fan right now, for sure. No, well, no you're, you're, question. you're looking at a pretty bright future in Manhattan. I agree. When you've got- when you've got a guy like Will Howard at quarterback, Deuce Vaughn, who is a special talent uh, in Manhattan. I mean, this guy finished with 113 yards rushing. That's the most by a true freshman at Kansas State since 2008. And then, of course, the leader of the entire squad is Chris Kleiman, who is now signed to a contract extension through the year 2026. Let's hear from Coach Kleiman about that extension. Well, I'm so thankful for uh, President Myers and, and for Gene Taylor um, in believing in what we uh, – are doing and I keep saying we I'm I'm in this position because of what our players uh, have done because of what our coaches have done because of what our our administration our support staff uh, it's a collective effort um, by everybody and uh, I'm grateful I'm I'm thankful my family and I love it here in Manhattan we love the people we work with and work for um, but the credit needs to really go to the players and the assistant coaches for, for giving us an opportunity to, to lay, lay the foundation and continue what we want to do on top of the great things that, uh, that coach did here. He started his career at Kansas State 8-5. and five. He's had back-to-back wins over the Sooners. And, of course, he's cashed in uh, with this contract extension that runs through 2026. Uh, and it's going to pay an average of just under $4 million a year in base salary. Now, Blake, I I don't want to belabor this point. We've got a lot more to get to on this program. But one of the things that I just keep thinking back towards is, you know, two years ago, there were simultaneous coaching searches going on with both KU and K-State. And I think at the time when both of these coaches, Les Miles and Chris Kleiman were hired, I think the majority of the opinion was KU won that coaching search. 
Yeah, they got, they got a national championship winning coach in Lawrence and Les Miles. And most people are like Chris who in Manhattan that, that this is proven in just a year and a couple of games proven to be the right choice for the Wildcats. And I, I mean, I'm, I've been pretty clear on this program that, you know, I'm I'm not a Wildcat fan. I never have been, but I'm a huge fan of Chris Kleiman. Um, and man, I wish he was coaching the Jayhawks. I know it's a it's like comparing apples and oranges, but uh, Kansas State absolutely won that coaching hire for sure. Oh well, yeah. Now you're looking back. I mean, I think at the time the the, the programs had a little diff- They had some different needs. Uh, you know, KU needed to re-energize the fan base. Les Miles certainly did that. There was a you know rush of donations to football, and I and I understand that. And obviously, you know, Les Miles won three games his first year. And if things would have been a little different this year, if he had actually recruited players, maybe they forgot to do that in the off season. I don't know. But um, you know, we'd be talking about a totally different thing. It's a results based business. And yeah, uh, Chris Kleiman is a great coach. And there were Kansas State fans who didn't like this hire. Like, were you on, like, what were you on when you had right. that take? The hot take horn just slammed that because Chris Kleiman's a fantastic head coach that any Power Five program should have been thankful to have. And Kansas State fans should be thankful. They are thankful. Now, you know, Chris Kleiman being thankful, I'd be thankful if they paid me $16 million too. So I don't <laughs> no, He's a great guy. I've got to talk to him on the radio. Super down to earth guy. Obviously knows how to recruit and coach. Sure. And yeah. I mean, I'm looking at about, in my mind, we've already lost the next seven Sunflower Showdowns. Well, the bottom line is that, you know, people were saying, well, I've never heard of this guy before. And you're know, attention. He- Right. Or he's coming from a, you know, an FCS school or whatever. I don't care what level you're coming from. If you're winning championships at that school, you know how to win. And that's exactly what Chris Kleiman brings to the table. And he's brought, by the way, he also came down and beat both of our asses, KU and Kansas state while he was there. So if you don't think, what do you talk, pay attention and watch. Like, right. Watch the games. He's a great well, coach. We talked about the good with Kansas State. Let's very quickly talk about the bad. And there's not a whole lot to get to here with the Kansas Jayhawks. As they were blown out yet again by number 17, Oklahoma State, uh, the Cowboys rolled to a 47-7 to victory over the Jayhawks of Kansas, who moved to 0-3 on this season. Uh, Jalen Daniels was injured during this game. Uh, really offensively for the Cowboys, they pretty much could do whatever they wanted to do. Shane Illingsworth threw for 265 yards and three touchdowns. Chuba Hubbard ran for 145 yards and two more touchdowns. Uh, they were able to pretty much rest their starters the final quarter and a half or so in this game because they were up by so much. Uh, there just really wasn't a whole lot good to say for the Jayhawks. And there really hasn't been this entire season. Jalen Daniels, before he was injured and Miles Kendrick were a combined 14 of 24 for 92 yards and an interception. Um, you know, they were dominated in time of possession, number of first downs. They didn't have a play go for more than 10 yards until early in the fourth quarter. Um, 
you know, but yet I guess Les Miles is still finding optimism in some places. He said, and I quote, I didn't feel like we were overwhelmed. I felt like we should continue to go the course we're going. We'll be fine. I like our team and I think we'll work together and do the things that the school has done before. They are resilient. They want to win. They're competitive and I'm going to believe in them. And that's my choice. That might be your choice, Les Miles, but clearly you're not watching the same football team that we are. Nothing good to say about the Jayhawks on Saturday. Saturday. KU sucks. Next question. I mean, do you want <laughs> I, me to break? I can break it down if you want, but my answer really, is KU, KU sucks. I, I, we don't need to break to down all topic. of it. We, we, it's, it's like beating a dead horse. And we, we, we've done this on this program every single week. In fact, we had a, a brilliant commentary from you just a few <laughs> weeks ago after the Coastal Carolina loss that we played on this program. So we know how you feel generally speaking and in in when Weston and I have talked over and over and over again about how there's very little hope in this program right now um, and there's clearly a regression from year one to year two in the less miles era for sure but the, I guess my specific question is what's the answer this season if there is one what's the answer this season with the, at the quarterback position, Jalen Daniels is injured. Um, he clearly will not be able to go, um, at least for the next couple of weeks, if not longer. Miles Kendrick is there, I suppose. Thomas McVitie, who was supposed to be this big heralded junior college transfer, he got injured. It looks like he's he might be returning to this program. It's a quarterback carousel. And not only is there any answer that the fans can think of, but clearly Les Miles doesn't have an answer either. Uh, the best chance that KU has to have good quarterback play this year is to infect Patrick Mahomes with coronavirus <laughs> So he misses the rest of the NFL season, break quarantine, and disguise him and play him anyway on Saturdays. If KU doesn't, yeah, okay. That's so the let biggest me know they, take in the world. Let me know if KU has anybody on their team that can play quarterback. And it's not. Uh, let's not put too much on Miles Kendrick and Jalen Daniels. KU doesn't have anybody on their roster who can play football. Other than Puka right. Williams, maybe they know, just ought to—they they just ought to direct snap it to Puka every single play. I mean, that maybe. might be the way to go. I mean, they went—you know—they got outgained by four hundred yards. Four hundred. Key right. went one, one for fourteen on third down. One for right. fourteen. I mean, we outpunted them. I mean, at least we—at least we had average thirty-nine yards a punt. KU's terrible. I don't want to go to the next topic. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Get it, get get KU off this program. Get them out of my life. Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> you know, I think that I think that the 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 more uh, disappointing thing, um, you know, for the Jayhawks and especially specifically this game was less about offensively how terrible they were, but it was about how terrible they were defensively and just they couldn't stop Oklahoma State at all. Um, like you said, they were outgained by 400 yards, and that's an indictment on both sides of the ball. We've talked <laughs> quite a bit about how great, I know it's apples and oranges from the NFL to the, the collegiate ranks, but how great the culture is in Kansas City for the Chiefs. You go 30 minutes down the road and how terrible the culture is in Lawrence. So I agree with you. There's not a whole lot more to talk about with the Jayhawks. We could belabor the point. We could make ourselves crazy by talking about what needs to happen. I'm sure we'll get to that on a later episode. The look bottom the cult- line. Before you go, look at the culture in Manhattan. Just compare that culture, Chris Kleiman's culture, you know, which would you yep. rather have? Give me the purple one. 
Yep. Without a doubt. The bottom line is that both teams, uh, you know, both the Jayhawks and the Cowboys are off next week. Kansas returns in two weeks on the road in Morgantown to take on the Mountaineers. They're going to get killed by West Virginia. And West Virginia is not even that great of a team this year. They're probably a middle of the road, big 12 team. They're going to get killed. Um, I've been to Morgantown. I've watched KU play at West Virginia before. And uh, it's it's terrible. Uh, Blake is saying they're going to lose by 40 points. I think it might even be uh, more than that against West Virginia in two weeks from now. Let's move on from this topic altogether. In fact, now he's saying they're going to lose by 400. Uh, that, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Before we get into our Wichita whip around, Blake, I want to get a very quick and a very brief update from you. Since you are the voice of the Newman University Jets, I want to get an MIAA update from you uh, as it relates to Newman, as it relates to what's going on in fall sports and even looking forward to winter sports with COVID-19, if there's anything uh, newsworthy that you want to bring to the table. Oh, absolutely. Huge news last week, actually, just after you guys uh, published the podcast, probably. I think it came down Thursday or Friday. MIAA is moving forward with basketball on schedule. So for Newman, that means November 18th here at Fugate Gymnasium against Pittsburgh State. They don't have a lot of the details. The associate AD kind of walked me around the gym. It is not going to look like college basketball. Uh, the fan situation, they haven't really figured out. I mean, there's a chance that I may not be allowed to – I may have to test every week with the team. I may be doing the games from the concourse. You know, they're, they're the plan that they have is going to be spacing everybody out. The table is going to be six feet back from the court. Um, but as of right now, that – Week in, week in November, I think it's the third week in November. Next month, we're just over a month away. That third week on Wednesday or Thursday, basketball is set to start. The other huge news, which doesn't impact Newman, but you've got a lot of MIAA fans here in Wichita, football is canceled. They are not wow. going to host football games this fall and going forward into the spring. They're not going to sponsor games in football or uh uh, events in cross country, which I don't really understand the cross country thing. Seems like it'd be pretty easy to just start people at different times to do time trials, but whatever. Uh, no football. So I will teams try to go independent for that? I, I don't know. But the MIAA is not crowning a champion in football. Obviously, for your Pitt State fans, for your Emporia State fans, Fort Hay State and Washburn, that is a really big deal to not have MIAA football. But for those of us here cheering for the Navy and Red, NU basketball, November 18th, uh, it, it is on for now. Let's see if everybody can stay healthy uh, and coronavirus free. It's got to be maddening on this uh, this MIAA football topic. It's got to be maddening that the entire season is just flat out canceled uh, when oh, you've got division division one division one teams that are playing, and then you've got you know, uh, leagues that are smaller than the MIAA that are playing in the state, the KCAC, they're currently playing High games school. right now. High school's playing games right now. So it's got to be absolutely maddening. that. And, and you've got some programs that are historically dominant, like Pitt State, uh, oh, that are not going to get a chance to play this season at all. Uh, that's just got to be insanely uh, upsetting for these players. Hate, hate it for those seniors, obviously. You know, full-ride scholarships are not as 
it's not as big of a thing in Division Two like Division One. So yeah, if they want to come back, I mean they're putting their career a year back. They're going to get the eligibility back, but they're putting their career back. You know, some of these schools, those are all public schools, but even public school in Kansas, you know, it's not that cheap. Okay, yeah. So it's a, so much more expense. You know, it, it's just terrible for everybody. I feel bad for those radio guys who don't get to call football this year. You know, I just just feel awful for everybody involved that 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 it happened i'm i am i'm so excited that basketball is coming though and that we'll get to see the jets on the court i you know i'm just praying that they let them play let's do this on a future episode maybe next week uh, or maybe in a couple weeks we'll figure it out let's have you talk a little bit more in depth about what we're looking at for newman specifically basketball but we can talk about some other things too in the meantime though i'm gonna let you plug uh your podcast with newman so people want to know more about it right now they can do that tell folks about that that's the JetCast. We had episode 20 and had the president of Newman University on the show, Kathleen Jagger. Uh, wow. You know, obviously, in, in my opinion, there's no bigger ally. If you're going to have a successful athletic program at any level of NCAA sports, you need a president that believes and wants to support athletics. And so it was really great to have her on. She talked about her plans for Newman. Also, in a sports note, her husband used to be the team doctor at a place you may have heard of, the University of Kentucky. So she's into sports. She likes sports. Shared a nice little anecdote about a date that her husband took her on to a college football game to see if she was wedding material and obviously passed the test. So you can get all that on the JetCast, and every week we have it, newmanjets.com slash podcasts, and it's available on Spotify, uh, TuneIn, and uh, Apple Podcasts, newmanjets.com slash podcasts, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. I'm sorry that you had to downgrade your partner for the podcast from the president of Newman to me <laughs> this week. It's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit of a step down, I would say. Uh, I mean, in class, yes, you know, yeah. but, but you know, you're doing just fine, Tommy. The hat is great. I appreciate that. Uh, we'll talk more MIAA on a future episode here of Keeper of the Games. Let's get right into our Wichita whip around now. Uh, as we're getting closer and closer to the end of this show, uh, the, the top story in our Wichita whip around, probably the biggest thing that folks in the metro are talking about as far as local sports are concerned, that is the new commit for the Wichita State University Shocker basketball team. Sterling Gaston Chapman from Campus High School has committed to the Shockers. Chapman is uh, that was a huge get for Wichita State. He chose the Shockers over uh, teams like SMU and Tulsa, but he'll be suiting up for the Shockers in 2021. Uh, he averaged 17.7 points and 6.5 rebounds per game as a junior for campus high, and he was voted the state's top boys basketball player in the annual Catch It Kansas Catchy Awards uh, as well. So definitely a big get for the Shockers for sure, and uh, definitely it's great for Wichita State to have a homegrown talent committing to the Shockers. Oh, well, you look at what they've done, you know, look at the guys that Greg Marshall has brought in. Evan Wessel, Connor Frankamp, Samaj Jones. I mean, he has recruited the crap out of the City League. Those yeah. are three City League guys. I know I know campus is not in the City League, but you know, getting these Sedgwick County ABCTL guys that Chapman can play. That campus team was 23 and 0 
probably wins a state title yeah. if the KSHS AA lets them finish. I think he's going to fit in. Everybody says he's got a great attitude, which I think you have to have to play for Greg Marshall because Marshall, not necessarily known for being a nice guy. And by the way, he doesn't have to be. He's Greg Marshall. You should listen to what he says. Going to make him play defense. Uh, you know, I think that the the guy at campus, by the way, wow, what a job they have done with the Colts. Campus basketball, when I started here in Wichita, campus athletics in general was nothing to write home about. Their football program was a disaster, and now you know football has been competitive, volleyball is getting better, and now their basketball team is among the state's elite. And Sterling Chapman's been a big part of it. Uh, Shocker fans should be really excited, and he will pack Coke Arena when they play next year if they're allowed to pack the arena. You know, when, when you look at a hometown team, obviously you want the best talent available. You want the best oh, talent yeah. that is going to commit to you. You're not going to go after somebody just because they're in the city uh, that, that you're in. And, you know, just because they grew up a fan of your team, uh, you want the best talent available. But I will say, and I agree with you, that Shocker Faithful, they embrace players that are from the Wichita area or from the state of Kansas in general. Look at Ron Baker. Oh, Look yeah. at the way that the Shocker faithful absolutely embraced Ron Baker as one of their own. Uh, Evan Wessel's the same way. Connor Frankham's the same way. The guys that you listed are the exact same way. And this will be the exact same thing for Sterling Gaston Chapman uh, one bit. And so it's absolutely a huge get for Greg Marshall. It's a big get for the Shocker squad. Uh, and I think he's going to do great uh, in Coke Arena for sure. Uh, and three-star before prospect, that, by the way. And yeah. don't think, you know, Evan Wessel wasn't exactly a three, four-star prospect. Greg Marshall will find guys that he can coach. Evan, you know, Wessel made himself into a player because yeah. of his hard work and because he was willing to do the little things that made those teams great. Probably one of the unsung heroes on those runs. Uh, you know, so Chapman, he's going to be a great fit and he's going to look really good in black and yellow. Well, and, you know, uh, before he gets to Coke Arena, he's going to try to lead campus to a state championship. As you mentioned, they were 23-0 and uh, before the, the the basketball season was shut down back in March uh, due to the coronavirus. So uh, he's going to try to uh, lead campus to a 6A state championship before he uh, drives 15 minutes north uh, to the <laughs> University, uh, Wichita State University's campus. The oh, other yeah. major news in Wichita sports is is on the prep uh, football front or the prep sports front, the Wichita Public Schools Board of Education voted six to one in favor of returning fans to fall sporting events at a limited capacity. Uh, this spectator allowance is underway now. So it began uh, on Tuesday. And so that means that uh, high school participants in student sports and activities, including dance, cheer, and band, will receive four vouchers for an event and middle school participants get two vouchers. Um, of course, the spectators have to wear masks at all times. They have to sit in family groups of four or less. Um, they have to maintain social distance. Concession stands will not be open, but spectators can bring unopened non-alcoholic drinks inside the facilities, but no food will be allowed. Definitely good news for parents that have been missing watching their kids play. And, you know, the other thing I will say, we've seen some video from people going out 
uh, to these games. Uh, remember that one video made national news of the lady being tased? Um, yeah. If you go out to these games, whether or not you agree with the rules, if you enter the stadium, you're agreeing to follow the rules. And if it, if under the law and the rules, you have to wear a mask, then you got to do it. And if you don't want to do it, then watch for the chain link or listen to the game on the radio. You know, I don't have any sympathy. They're making it very clear. It's out there. And, uh, you know, go watch your Wichita East Blue Aces maybe win a City League championship. 3-0, and by the way. And they have they crushed the Civil War participants north and south. Wichita East is up there in the City League. Obviously, Bishop Carroll and Cape it are out because they're not going to play enough games to qualify for the title this year. So it's East and Northwest and, uh, you know, one of those two teams. It's going to be a big matchup coming up. That is in a couple of weeks on the 16th between those two teams. So, yeah, City League football, fans in the stands. I don't see how you can justify not having fans in the stands. Bishop Carroll has had fans in their stands during their games. Capen has had it, and we haven't had any reports of outbreaks from those two programs. And Carroll played Derby, and Derby did have outbreaks. So, obviously, the Catholic schools have figured it out. City League schools, I think, are going to do just fine. Well, and you've got parents that are, you know, standing on the other side of the fence watching their their oh, kids yeah, play so anyway. You know, so so try to find a way to to make it to regulate it, uh, to make it work a little bit more efficiently and effectively uh, for the city league schools. So um, I think this is the the right plan. It's the right you know next step, uh, and hopefully that will continue. Getting into a recap of the previous week, week five in prep football around the Wichita area, Blake, you already touched on it uh, a little bit. Wichita East they took down Wichita Heights. It was a close game, sixteen to thirteen. East moves to three and zero. On the season, Wichita Northwest, which obviously they're a great program. They beat Wichita North by a score of 92 to zero. I want to talk just briefly about North High School. We talk all the time about the powerhouses, about Northwest and about East and about Derby and, you know, the other major uh, players, you know, in the metro area. I feel bad for Wichita North High School. Let's break down their four games here early in the season. They kicked off the, their season they lost to Wichita East 80 to 0. Their next game, they played Wichita South. They lost 56 to 0. Their next game, they played Heights High School. They lost 72 to 0. And most recently, they lost to Northwest 92 to 0. They have yet to score a point this season while giving up at least 55 points. And in this most recent one, 92 points in each game this season. Uh, it's a rough time to be at North High. Yeah, I feel bad for Wichita North. I've, I've gotten to talk to a lot of the coaches there over the years when I was covering Bishop Carroll football. And, you know, I, I, when I was covering Bishop Carroll, I had several coaches tell me, it's like, you know, Wichita North, the Redskins have an all-city league team that's playing for the other city league schools. Yeah. And not just the Catholic schools, the public ones too. They've lost 20 straight games. You know, it, it's really hard to turn around a program like that. I feel badly for those kids that – I just believe that Wichita North kids work hard and are good kids. Every coach I've ever talked to there, going all the way back to when I started in, you know, 2013, 2014, when I talked to Joe Belden, you know, there've been so many guys who have tried to come in there and do right by that program. Uh, Scott Moshier, 
I believe that they put the right guys in place, but you got to have a way to get kids excited to come out for your program. And yep. when you, you're in the losing stretch that they're in, it's tough. So I, I feel bad. I feel badly for Wichita North. The pioneers of Wichita West High School, they beat Wichita South 29-8 to eight in the last week of their game as well. Bishop Carroll, they fell to Lawrence High 37-28. to 28. However, Cape and Mount Carmel, they took down Pittsburgh 49-0, to zero, uh, which was a, a big win for Cape and How about uh, new coach Weston Shorts at Cape and um, You know, obviously... There's been, you know, that program has been a little bit up and down, but it it's definitely seems like he's got Capen on the right track. Uh, you look at that Holy War this year, and Capen hasn't won that game in like 25 or something. Um, you know, that that was a close game. Weston Sharts is a legend in the City League. He's yeah. going to be, if he's not already in the Wichita Sports Hall of Fame, he will be in the second he retires. And Capen Mount Carmel, I believe, is going to be a major contender. Not that they weren't under Coach Adelhart. Adelhart had some really great teams. I think KMC is going to be a contender in the City League. It's going to be a three-team race. Capen, Bishop Carroll, Wichita Northwest. Not necessarily in that order. I think Northwest is your favorite starting next season. I think East will be on that next tier to try to see if they can knock off one of those top three. Yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise to me that Weston Sharks comes in and makes your program better. Not to me. Even though West wasn't great while he was there in the second stint, they were better with Weston Sharks. Not surprised. He's definitely got Capen moving in the right direction for sure. Andover took down Hutchinson 14-7. Valley Center beat Andover Central 14-12. Mays South beat Newton 30-10. Mays beat Salina South 58-13. Goddard took down Goddard Eisenhower 31-10. Those are some of the updates, at least for 6A and 5A. I know there are more teams in the area that we're not going to get to, but those are the updates for the last week around the Wichita Metro. The one team that we didn't mention at all, uh, and you alluded to it a couple minutes ago, is Derby. They're currently dealing with a COVID-19 outbreak. They did not play. Their game was canceled. Definitely a weird start to the season for Derby High School. They lost their opening game against Mill Valley, which, you know, definitely was, that was not good for the Panthers at all. They play a couple of games, they get back on track, then their season shut down due to COVID. Uh, kind of a weird start for the Derby Panthers, for sure. Mill Valley is a power, so don't read too much into that. They have been a competitor 5A, 6A for quite a few years since they, you know, they came out of nowhere, beat Bishop Carroll in that 2014 championship game, uh, 2015 no, championship game. So don't read too much into that. Uh, it's scheduled to play on the road at the campus Colts on Friday. We'll see if Brandon Clark's team is able to play. When you're listed as an outbreak by the KDHE in their coronavirus reports, not a good not sign. Good. No, nope. it's very not, bad. Not a good sign. Looking forward to this weekend. The game scheduled as of right now. Southeast is on the road taking on Wichita East. North, uh, they travel to Wichita West. You have to imagine that that's probably going to be a blowout in favor of West High. Um, that's happening. Uh, Derby, like you mentioned, they're scheduled as of right now to travel to campus to play. Of course, that could change uh, depending on what's going on. COVID related for sure. Uh, Northwest is on the road taking on Wichita High. 
Heights Garden City travels all the way from Western Kansas to Wichita to take on Cape and Mount Carmel. So that's happening this weekend. Mays takes on May South. Uh, Hutchinson on the road to Salina South. Arc City travels up the Turnpike to take on Goddard Eisenhower. Goddard, uh, Goddard is on the road at Newton, and Valley Center is on the road at Andover. Those are the updates for 6A, 6A and 5A in the City League for sure. We'll have updates on those games and more next week on the podcast. And that is going to wrap up our Wichita Whip Around here on Keeper of the Games. And we're going to wrap up the show now with our Finally Funny. This is not anything that has anything to do with anything local. Uh, or even regional, but we're talking about okay. the one and only John Daly, who is <laughs> just, he is the, he's the man, the myth, the legend, the enigma, John Daly. Uh, I don't know if you saw this video, Blake, or not. I but haven't. John Daly was playing in a charity golf tournament uh, and he drained a hole in one. Uh, because he's John Daly and that's exactly what he's going to do. But it was the way that he did it. And you'll have to watch the video. I'll have to post it to uh, our Twitter account. So you can, you can see this and and anybody listening, I can see this as well. Uh, He was barefooted. He was not wearing any shoes. I'm watching Uh, it right now. His shirt was untucked. Um, I'm surprised he didn't have a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He might, I I didn't see that uh, in the video. Um, but literally he just walked up and hit the ball. It went in the hole and he turned around and he said, that makes 11 of them mother. And then he was going to drop a slur after that. And he, he caught himself and he didn't, uh, but was super chill about it. 11 hole in ones. And he did it with his shirt untucked and his shoes off. And uh, wearing they, ugly shorts, by the right. way, ugly shorts. Yeah. I saw, I've seen the video. I mean, if that's not, that's John Daly at his finest. I, can you imagine if he had had the training acumen of like a Tiger Woods, like how oh good he might have been? I don't know. Maybe he's the best golfer ever. Probably the best natural talent. I mean, more guys. Can I just add? We're both golf fans here. Can I? That's not a hot take. Terrible. Terrible. You're, you're calling John Daly the best golfer ever. That is for sure no, a hot take. No, I said the best talent ever. Not the best golfer ever. The best talent ever. Because he shows up drinking beer and wins majors. <laughs> uh, like, we need more guys. You and I are both golf fans. We need more John Daly's on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Bring me all the John Daly's and put them all out there. Let them cuss on, on CBS. You know, at the Masters this fall, that is good. That's excellent sports television. Oh, he definitely gives the middle finger to any kind of golf etiquette right, uh, that has been around for, for 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 years and years and years. Um, I don't know. I love John Daly. Um, so do I. Uh, you know, I think that I'm I'm obviously nowhere near talented enough, but I like to emulate John Daly. Like I like to have my shirt untucked and drink some beer when I'm playing golf. I'm not nearly as good as he is and I don't have any hole in ones, but um, shout out to him. I don't go barefoot. That's a little bold because (laughs) you could step on something, uh, you know, that the fairways are pretty nice. The greens are pretty nice, but you get off in the rough. You could be stepping on anything and I don't think I could do barefoot. (laughs) Well, you know, he's probably playing at pretty nice courses too. Although there's a lot of divots where he was teeing off from there, but yeah, just John Daly being John Daly. God bless America. 
Yeah. Um, of course, our thoughts go out to John Daly as well. He was diagnosed with bladder cancer last month, um, but he did undergo a procedure to remove the cancer. Um, but I guess there is a probability that it could return. But for right now, uh, it looked like they were able to get everything and they caught it early. So that's good. So uh, thoughts go out to John Daly. And of course, he goes out and knocks in a hole in one at a charity golf tournament. So uh, more power to him. Uh, God bless John Daly. He is an American treasure and should be protected at all costs. That's our finally funny here on Keeper of the games and that's going to wrap up the program here for this episode um and i think that for the first time you and i doing a show together uh i think it went pretty well yeah i'm, I'm totally happy uh i mean a couple of incorrect hot take horns on your part but you know you, okay. you're, you're gonna get that locked down next week and i know you'll be you'll be better at recognizing when a hot take comes which means you should be pressing it when you talk so you know well, i don't ever get, i don't ever give get any hot takes next week uh i mean sure whatever you say I mean, everything I say is 100% correct at all times. Um, and there's no reason to hot, to hot take horn me at all. Yeah. ever. Okay. Yeah. Let's see how, see how that works for you. Yeah, play. Fair enough. I mean, that, that's, that is a, uh, that's a KU quarterback situation where you're describing <laughs> right there. Well, whatever it is, uh, I'm going to stick to it. That's for sure. Hey, make sure to hit subscribe anytime we have a brand new episode of Keeper of the Games. You'll get a notification. Uh, and that way you can uh, never miss an episode. You'll always know when new episodes of the podcast drop. Of course, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the major ones out there. Again, don't forget to visit our brand new website, cogsports.com, K-O-G-sports.com. Nice you can, job on that, by the way. Looks thank good. you. I, I appreciate that. We can uh, You can listen to archived episodes watch episodes, read our blogs, so on and so forth. Uh, it's all right there. KOGsports.com. Watch full episodes on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Keeper of the Games and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod at KOGPod. Next time on the podcast, uh, we'll talk about, of course, what's going on with the Chiefs and what ends up happening uh, with, the, with the week five NFL season. We'll talk more about the MIAA uh, and, and a lot more. That's all coming up on the next episode of Keeper of the Games. Before we get out of here, Blake, if people want to contact you or they want to follow you on Twitter, how can they do so? Pretty easy. B-E Crips, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S on Twitter. You can follow me anytime at Tweets from Tommy. So until next time, for Blake Crips, I'm Tommy Caster. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Caster and Weston Mills. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod. 